Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name's Dominic Gawley. I'm a consultant with Human Synergistics Australia, and I'm joined on the show this week by our head of consulting, Corinne Cantor. Hey, Corinne. Hey, Dom. How are you? I'm really well. We've started this series looking at cultural causal factors. So what are the things that actually shape culture, the stuff we do around here? And we've been going through the different kind of areas. And we've been looking at the systems inside an organization. And this week, we're looking at the goal-setting systems. Mm. And so what I'd love to do is is go through and, and look at what is it about how we go about setting goals? You know, why does it matter? How does it impact culture? And what does a good approach look like? So if someone's listening to this, they've just got their results from their culture survey, and they're, you know, this is maybe an area for them to work on. What are some things they should be thinking about and perhaps doing? Okay, great. So what is it? What What's this thing all about? What are we measuring there? I think, so before we go into what are we measuring, let's remind everyone that culture is actually around the messages that people get about where to put their effort, energy, and time. And the reason the messages that people get around energy, effort, and time are so important because ultimately individuals want to be effective and the organization wants some results. And so one of the principal ways that guides people's effort, energy, and time is the goal-setting practice of the organization because it sets the goals and therefore identifies priorities. In fact, what goals do is help people understand where they need to invest their effort and why that's important. If At least effective goal systems should do that. Yes. You know, and, and if I know where we're going and why we're going, I can then make decisions and make stuff happen. Exactly. Versus, you know, we'll get into this, but if it's ambiguous and I don't really know, then I'm actually paralyzed. I can't make decisions. Exactly. And if you think about it, the cultural piece is about sending messages to help people invest their time and effort in a way that counts. From an individual perspective, people are motivated by feeling like their effort matters Mm -hmm. and that what they do is significant. Mm -hmm. And so, an effective goal-setting practice achieves both those things yep. at the same time yep. by helping people understand how what they do every day helps the organisation achieve its big picture, its objectives. Mm. It also helps give people a sense of reinforcement that their effort matters and that what they do is significant, mm. which is important in terms of motivating mm. people to continue. Mm. to do the work that mm. they've been asked to do. So we, we're contributing to something. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, what is it when we're thinking about goals, what are the sort of different factors we should be thinking of or considering in there? Yeah, I think you and I have talked about this a, a fair point, but just as a frame before we go into the specifics, I think it's important to remember that goal-setting practices are at their best mm when they help motivate people. Right. Okay. So they're a way of encouraging people to give their best effort. Mm. Sometimes I think organizations forget that Mm. and they end up using goals as a way of control. Mm. The goal setting Mm. should be about commitment, you know, engendering commitment versus compliance 
and control. So what does that look like? So using it to control? Yeah. So for example, and this goes into the what makes a good goal setting practice, mm. if you're using goal setting as a control mechanism to achieve task, then the chances are the leaders or somebody else other than the person is actually setting the goals. So mm-hmm. the person who's got to deliver that has no input and no ownership and no influence mm-hmm. on the work that they're being asked to do. Mm-hmm. So that's an example where it's more about giving the leaders, the organisation control and monitoring versus actually trying to engender commitment, Mm. okay? Because you're just going to tell me Mm. what you think I should do. You're going to set the metrics and I'm not even being asked to do that. I'm being directed to do that. feels like the stick, doesn't it? So I Mm. think that that is the – it's not meant to be a stick. I think, you know, sometimes leaders will say – we don't have any control over that metric. It's set, you know, it's a sales target that we have to meet. Mm. And I think, okay, I get that. And that might be your reality, but there's still the scope to involve people in how do you think, this is what we've been asked to achieve, how do you think we might achieve that together? Okay, so even if it's being set for you as a leader, you can still involve people. So your question around what does it look like when it's more about goals and control, I think it's when it's being handed down mm. as a command mm. versus involving people in participating in setting their own goals. Mm. Yes, because it, it feels like what's outside of our control has just been given to us. Yeah, and, and, and what level does your effort make? Yeah, None. well, the message I get is not yeah, much. Yes. That's right, and so therefore the approach to that kind of goal setting is very aggressive, defensive, power-oriented. It's got its seeds, its basis in power, and therefore you're going to get a passive-defensive, you know, create a passive-defensive culture. On on the back end, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's interesting. So the different – what are the different ways that goals can actually shape culture? Yeah. You know, like – because I think of like passive-defensive goals, I often think of – Situations where it's like it's vague, yeah. You know, like what yeah. I don't really know yeah. what we're trying to achieve, yeah, or, or what we're shooting for, yeah. And therefore, it's back to that I, I then can't really make decisions, yeah. You know, because what am I doing? Like, I don't know. So what? You know, should I go left? Should I go right? I don't know. And so I'm stuck asking my manager, or you know, just following the following rules, policy or, or procedure. Exactly right. So, you know, that's why it goes back to the fundamental principle. Goal setting is about activating motivation. Mm. And so if you have goals that are way too easy, mm. okay, right. or you've got Underestimate goals you. that yep. are unclear mm-hmm. or ambiguous, then how they shape the culture, as you said, is it creates friction and confusion. Mm. And so if the individual can't understand what they're meant to be doing, like where to put their effort, energy, and time, they're going to look up for that direction. So it encourages passive defensive, or I'm going to rely on a policy or procedure. Again, you're passive defensive. Or if I feel like I haven't been involved in setting the goal, automatically it sets up that I need to check that I'm on track. Because whose goal is it? Exactly. It's not my goal, (laughs) right? I was just told it. It's not my goal. I don't own it. Yeah. My manager or their manager owns it. And I think too, if you don't, so I think a fundamental key to making goal setting practice 
effective in an organisation is to involve people in setting their goals. Now, that doesn't mean 100%. It could be that right. you some areas are fixed, but it's involving them in a discussion. The other reason, the reason that's important is, A, it's about activating, it's about making them feel like they're important. It's showing respect and it's also, a, and through doing that, it's helping to motivate them. It increases ownership. Yep. So people feel like, okay, I get what I need to do. I understand why it's important and I've been involved in setting it. So it's my goal. It's mm-hmm. not just my leader's goal. It's mm-hmm. also mine. Mm-hmm. And so that's also about motivation. Now, if you're in an aggressive defensive culture and mm-hmm. more of a red culture and you get goals that are set the too hard, yep. okay, because typically you aggressive, defensive, perfectionistic, competitive power there's a pressure and the need to look good. And so the goals might be very audacious, very ambitious and Mm. very short time frame. Mm. How does that shape the culture? Mm. Well, people might feel that they can't admit if there are issues. They can't admit if there are questions. And so it also drives a passive defensive response. Alternatively, it can do a bit of both. It could be that I don't want to ask questions because it might make me look stupid Mm -hmm. because I want to look good in a culture that encourages competition and perfectionistic outcomes. Yes. Yeah. Or it's the zero defect, you know, where like, no, everything's fine. Everything's fine, even though it's not. Yeah, because because you've got to put on a good face about it. So I think the danger with an aggressive defensive culture or the goals that are set for people too much, too little time forces people sometimes to achieve that by cutting corners yep. and not telling anyone about it yep. and creating a cover-up culture. Mm-hmm. It forces people to work long, hard hours in an effort to try and achieve something that in the end, may not be achievable if it's an unrealistic time frame. Or, or even just to be seen doing so. Yes. So when they don't hit the goal, it's like, well, you know, but I was here every night, yeah. you know, yeah. and so, well, you can't fold them for effort, you know. That's right. The other thing I think too is if everybody's working hard to achieve something that no one believes is achievable in the time frame, you're also driving quite an individual culture Mm. because people are so worried about them hitting their own goals that they're not really necessarily going to be collaborating with each other or cooperating. So I think goal setting is, you know, everything that we measure is pivotal. Nothing's random. Yes. There's a reason why it's there. And so goal setting is pivotal to activating people's motivation to want to do their best work, to want to give their discretionary effort. And There are some fairly clear things, ways that the organization can do that. One of them we've talked about it is including people in setting Mm. their own goals Mm. so that they have some buy-in, some Mm. ownership. Mm. And the other thing, if you involve people in setting their own goals, the payoff is not just that the ownership, but there's a clarity because they've had a say Mm. in what they're being asked to do. So. They walk away understanding the why. And if they walk away understanding the why, they've understood at a deep level, a level of clarity that may not be there if it's just communicated to them. 
Yeah, I love that. You know, with goals, it's not just the what, but the why as well. Because, yeah. You know, I, I use this kind of throwaway example in, in workshops, but where should we go, left or right? Well, I don't know because I don't yeah. know where we're going. So that's yeah. having no goal. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, we're going to the Blue Mountains this afternoon. Cool. Now I know where we're going. I can make decisions about the route. But why might be, hey, it's a scenic tour. So maybe the most direct road is not the the one to go on. Maybe we want to go the scenic road, you know, yeah. the, the long way yeah. or whatever. So we need both the what and the why. Yeah. Right? And then we can make informed decisions. And I think, you know, if people are looking sort of for a practice that gives you kind of bang for buck in terms of value, then involving people in goals gives you ownership, clarity, and greater levels of acceptance. Yep. Now, if I accept my goal, fully accept the mm. goal, I mm. fully own it, then what will follow is I will invest my energy yep. commitment, in getting that done. You get commitment. Mm. Now, if I don't accept, mm. you know, fully accept, let's just say there's 10%, then I just think no. Is, yeah, what no does that do to my commitment and my energy that I invest in there? Well, I'm going to find other ways, you know. So it's like either I'm going to find a reason why I couldn't do it because of that team over there, that yeah. department, you know, yeah. they got in our way or tell me what to do, boss, you know, or some other way to kind of Bottom get Bottom line it. is it doesn't get done. Yep. And that is also the value of checking, of involving people in a conversation around the goal because you're able to say, does this make sense? Is there anything that will prevent you mm. being able to, to do it within the time frame? Mm. And so you start to surface some of the issues rather than treating goal setting as a bit of handing over the baton. So you just read them what it is that they have to do and then right. they assume that they're going to execute it. Mm. So I think. And one of my concerns sometimes with goal setting is that it's actually very clear and simple right. how to get the most out of goals. Yep. The other thing that I think is important that sometimes we get waylaid by, and we did an episode called KPY, mm. where metrics get set and people get caught up on the number yep. and they forget that the number actually represents an outcome. Like, an outcome. Like there's a something. NPS. Yeah. Yep. You know, you want, I don't know plus 50 or something, right. you know. Now, the number is symbolic of the actual outcome you're looking for, which is delighted customers right. that stay with you right. and repeat by. That's it. And tell other people how wonderful no, you are. Not game the system by telling people how to fill out the survey <laughs> to get the plus 50, which I've seen, you know. Yeah, I've yeah, interacted totally. with companies where yeah. they'll – they do that. They got. I did one where it was like a car service, and then make sure you fill out the survey. And they, he had a thing where it was like eight frowny faces and two smiley faces. So he's yeah. like, knowing how surveys work, I'm like, you totally bias the survey. Well, I've but, actually been asked by people, can you please give me a nine, a nine or a ten? Because otherwise, my supervisor will come and talk to me. <laughs> you know. So I think it's a beautiful thing, goal system, because it's totally within the control of a leader of the organisation, when I say control, I mean it's within your effort. You don't need to spend money, you mm. know, you don't need a fancy system. A fancy system. You mm. just need to sit down and have a conversation with someone for a lot of value mm. back mm. in terms of being executing and getting the result that you say you want. You know, and so I often ask leaders, you know, as a first step, 
especially if you maybe this is an area to work on, is ask your team, you know, what are your goals and see, yeah. see what you get back. Yeah. See what you get back and you might be surprised. That's an interesting. Yeah. You might be surprised or they don't really know or or even if they do, do you think you can achieve yeah. that? Yeah. You know, so what do you think you're going to get? Because we when we measure it, we ask a question around, you know, how clear are you on your goals? Are you unclear, moderately clear or clear? Yeah. And it, it, a pass mark in the survey actually – in my opinion, is not that high. It's I forget what the exact thing is, but I think the 50th percentile is like 70% are yeah, clear. Yeah. And it's like, it's kind of disappointing if 30% are sitting there not really clear. Well, it's a lot. Isn't you it? know, it's a lot. Yeah. And so uh, to me, it's like everyone should be clear on what they're trying mm. to achieve. Well, and I think, you know, like sort of time is money. And so if you have people not absolutely clear about how they've got to spend their time, then you're losing money either through right. wasting their time, resources of the organisation, and you don't get what you need. The other thing, I think we talked about this in reinforcement or performance management systems, Dom. I think one of the other really good ways to get people to activate ownership and motivation and at the same time get a sense of a big picture, instead of doing, or as well as just doing one-on-one discussion with goals, if you're in a team, it can be a really great thing to get the whole team together and say, okay, what does good look like? If we're Mm -hmm. performing and if we're doing what as a team we've been set up to do, what does that look like? Mm. What are the goals that we need to achieve this year in order to achieve that Mm. result? And actually take everybody on the team Mm. on a kind of a, let's look at the group outcomes that we need to achieve first. What does that then mean for you individually? Mm. So I think that's also a really good practice for kind of activating motivation, ownership, commitment, and also getting people a sense of a integrated picture rather than it's the whole, not the sum of the parts. You know, and so it's like the, you know, the sales team where everyone will have their individual number. Yep. But we want to encourage our, you know, top salespeople to develop and train the junior salesperson to get to where they're at. Yeah. And so, hey, yeah, cool, you've hit your number. How how can you help, you know, Sally over there hit her number by yeah. taking her under your wing and and teaching yeah. her what you know? And that's where the group kind of group goals can be really useful because it broadens the view. That it's yeah. not just me as the individual, but as a team we succeed and fail together. Yeah, and I think that that's also another feature of a constructive organization goals. It's not just on the task, it's also on how you get the task done. Mm. So I've got one client who had two divisions within this really big size group that needed to get on, otherwise projects didn't get executed, a lot of capital funds were wasted or lost. And what they ended up doing was making it a a KPI, a metric of both of the leaders, is that they develop the relationship Mm. with each other. Mm. So previously, each leader had been measured on output of the job. Right. But what they started to do was get lead, they also started to measure them on on the effectiveness of their working relationship. Which was really interesting, right? Because mm. what gets measured gets done. Yep. And so, what the goal did in that instance was start to get the leaders thinking about how do they work together 
better individually, but how do they start to co-lead some of the projects mm. between their teams so that some of the the rocks in the road were kind of smoothed out and the teams could deliver. Mm. So I thought that was a really interesting thing. I mean, there's some things that's shared KPIs, but I haven't heard of many organisations that actually make part of the measurement is we want you to develop a really good yeah, relationship no, that's with them. You know, it, it's also just another note, if we zoom up to the more enterprise level, so across the organization, and it's probably back to that having the why behind it, but it's because often departments can have kind of conflicting KPIs. You know, so I'm being driven on a you know revenue thing, you're being driven on a cost reduction thing, and, and there could be a cost or a trade-off between those two. Yeah. Two different things and that's why it's so important to have the why and you know and what's the greater good you know at the executive level what is the ultimate goal is profitability or whatever it is which is made up of different factors and so to be aligned on hey there's going to be times where maybe we trade this off for that because it serves the ultimate why more yeah than the the department yeah absolutely you know and so you look it's tricky and it's nuanced because it it makes it a bit well you got to use your judgment yeah, know, and, and there are trade-offs because it's never that simple. Yeah. But I think it's important to have that. Like I've been in an organization where there was deliberately conflicting KPIs. Yeah. And so what happened was everyone just pointed at each other and we're going to get ours. And so it was a war. It was yeah. turf battles yeah. between departments because yeah. we're going to get ours at the cost of yours. Yeah. You know, did that help us perform better? No, it definitely didn't. Yeah. Was that recognised as senior level though? Like did- it was purposely done. I know. Which is interesting. So it's a bit of a philosophy. Like the idea, I think, was that in the conflict would come innovation, but I don't think that's what it achieved. I think it just achieved conflict. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then some departments were more powerful for whatever reason, and they yeah. would get their way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or, of course. Like so, just the politics would play out. And yeah. Someone wins and someone loses. It's kind of interesting in that example, Dom, because. You know, sometimes people ask us, what's the relationship between values and culture? Well, your values, the values you choose reflect your culture. Mm. And then the values continue to infuse the culture. But what I think is interesting about that is the fact that that's a philosophy Mm. is already an indication of an aggressive defensive philosophy. Mm. And so it then drives the behaviours that reinforce it. Right. You know, yeah, it's a, it's a cycle. Yeah. yeah. And I always yeah. wonder with things like that, whether the leaders sit back and do they feel validated? Like, did it drive a level of performance? And so then they could say, oh, yeah, it works. Well, you know, the thing like, because it, so with an aggressive culture, and I think this is true in general, is it feels like a lot's happening. Yeah. Right. Because there's a lot of energy and a lot of activity. There's a lot of energy and activity, but a lot of it is fighting internal battles that yeah. don't matter to the customer yeah. and don't make us any more money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or don't make us any more effective. And so we spend all this time and energy on stuff that doesn't matter. Yeah. It's um, not going to move anything. It, it doesn't move anything of consequence. It's just mm. like, yeah, we won this internal battle, but so what? Mm, you know, it doesn't interesting, matter. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So. You know, and the the other part of that is because I've seen companies go the other way where now we're going to give you a KPI over which you don't have any influence. Like it sits entirely yeah. outside your wheelhouse. Yeah. I don't think that's the move either. No, Because if you think from a message point of view, my effort makes no difference and mm. that I can't influence that mm. and therefore it's an inherently passive 
thing. Or I start blaming people who are responsible for that because they're messing up my number. Yeah, and I think, you know, so I think that's pretty key to an effective goal-setting practice. One is that it, well, we talked about participation, but the other thing is that it's actually going to set a goal around where I my effort makes a difference. So if you set a goal and it's a shared KPI, but there's 40% of delivering that, it's not about my effort. It's about somebody else has to come to the party, but that's a big part of the goal, 40%. So I think one of the things too is it's very difficult. Like one goal I saw one was about changing market preference for something. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> wow. That is a big call. Like, you know, with all the best will in the world, one person yeah. cannot make that happen. There are too many other variables. So I think you've got to be really thoughtful about the goals that are set, but also they've got to be based around the person's effort actually making a difference. Mm. I can control this. I can change it. I can influence mm. it mm. because that's really the only thing that you can then measure them on, right? right. Whether they invested their effort, time and energy Doing in an right effective things. way. Mm. Yeah. In the in right things in the right way. Mm. That's it. You know, and then and then on that is the you know, what you mentioned, change the market premium. Too difficult. Can't do it. You know, and so if it's too difficult, then I'm gonna to look to protect myself. Too easy. Unplug the brain. Yeah, yeah. Right, go into green. So we want fairly challenging. We want to stretch people with I've still got to believe I can get there. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, Corinne, you're going to train up and running. You're going to rate, race Usain Bolt in a yeah. race. So there's no way I can beat him unless he like pulls a hammy or even then he'd probably still beat me, you know. Yeah. Like it's got to be something I believe I can actually do. Otherwise, I'm not even going to bother, right. bother training. That's right. Well, yeah, why would you, right? Like there's no way. There's no way. There's no way. There's no need for it because you can do it easily. And that's actually been, I was listening to a podcast, you know, the Huberman Mm-hmm. Podcasts, and they were talking about protocols for helping goal achievement. They were saying that that was one of the things is actually setting something that is not impossible, but it's actually a little bit hard that you have to work for it, that you have to stretch for it, that that's part of actually, you know, in the setting, not too easy. Which I think is is really interesting because in, you know, corporate world or, or whatever we want to call it, we probably, we set goals, like you should achieve your goals. Yeah. Like in how they're set, I feel like 90% of the time people will achieve their goals. Yeah. If it was truly challenging, it'd be more like 50%. <laughs> maybe right? a little but, bit higher than 50%. But like maybe a little bit higher than 50%. But, you know, like that's a truly stretch goal. Mm-hmm. But I feel like generally, culturally, you know, that's not acceptable. Well. You know, like like you, you're expected to, yes, you should always hit yeah. your goal. It's an interesting Idea, but I think it comes down to what end? What is the goal for? Now, there's going to be some aspects of business where we want you to hit the goal because that's our business and we need to deliver that. In which case, it's not so much about stretch and growth. So it might be a proportion of the goals Mm. are around growth Mm. and, you know, reaching for something that we haven't tried yet Mm. and so we don't know. Mm. But from a pragmatic perspective, it can't necessarily all be about right. that because some of the goal might just be about getting things done. We need to turn over the business. We yeah. need to keep yeah. keep the lights on. Yeah. It's effectiveness in some instances, you know, about efficiency as well. It's it's both. But I do think that one of the motivating things about a, a constructive goal setting practice is that 
there is scope for some stretch that, you know, at least some of the goals are something that I have to develop in order to achieve it. I'd have to reach for it. I have to grow right. Right. and I have to develop We'd in have order to, do to reach it. do something different exactly. than we're doing today. Yeah. And that's as much about, not just about growing the organiser, growing the individual or the team, but it's about, that's what we call innovation, right? Is right. growing, right. doing something different. So I think a proportion or one of the goals that have been set is a stretch mm. goal and, mm. and truly mm. stretch. So it's not too hard, but it's within your skill set. But it's going to require something different. It's going to require something different and it's going to require a conscious and deliberate effort to achieve it. Mm. I love it. So, you know, what I'm taking away, Corinne, is check with your people. What yep. are your goals? Yep. See what they say. You might be surprised. Yeah. Now, what do you think your goals are and why do you have them? Yeah. And if they don't know, for me as a leader, it's on me. Like yep. I haven't explained them clearly and we haven't talked, I haven't involved them probably and talked through why. Yeah. It might be that as a leader, I'm not clear on what my goals are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, In which case, I've got to go above me and have that same conversation before I can even talk to my team. So go talk to them. We want to be clear. We want people to be clear so they can make decisions. That's the what and the why. We want them fairly challenging. Yeah. It's difficult, but it's not impossible. Your effort makes a difference. We want to involve people, as we've said, so they own it. And that way, if they believe they can do it, they've been involved in it, they will then accept the goal rather than sort of not accept it. Ignore it. Ignore it. <laughs> Marginally accept it. Kind of like, mm. it's not, uh, there's no huge secret to it, really. It's just about, you know, clear is kind. But I think not just telling people to be clear, but involving them yeah. is the key. Yeah, I think that's a great summary. Lovely. <laughs> Good job. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot for going over that with me today, Corinne and Goldstein. I hope that helped you out there if that's one to work on with your team. And we'll be back continuing our series through the different causal factors. Thanks, Corinne. Thanks, Tom. Before we go, we just had our 25th Culture and Leadership Conference in Sydney and Melbourne. Now, I know not everyone was able to go so we do have video recordings of the conference presentations that will be up on our website. So check there. I'll also put a link in the show notes as soon as it's available. So check the description of this podcast as well. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia, all rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au.